All right, it's just three days to election. So what are people talking about? Election, right? It's definitely election. Everywhere you go, in the coffee shop, in the mall, and all those things, and there are charamas everywhere, and uh, it's going to be a, a historic day for Malaysia come May the 9th, this Wednesday, just three days to election. And so this morning, I'd like to share something along this line. My text is taken from Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 to verse 15. But let me read to you, or let's read together. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Ready? Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Choose for yourselves today. And so this morning, I'd like to share about the three elections that most of us will face. And in all of these elections, you have a choice. Turn to your neighbor and say, you always have a choice. Now sometimes we say, but I got no choice especially the younger ones. But actually in life, you always have a choice. In fact, as you are seated here today, just today, you have made so many choices in life already. When you, this morning itself, you made a choice whether to get up from bed or to sleep in. You made a choice of what to eat for breakfast. You made a choice of what to wear to come to church. You make a choice as to which road, which route you will take to come to church. And even as you step into church, you make a choice as to where to sit. Of course, many of you, no choice already. You always sit where you are seated. No, no big deal. So, sir, Actually, in life, every day we make hundreds of choices. What to do, where to go, what to eat, who to talk to. Choices. Life is full of choices. Some of the choices are very insignificant. Some of you, it doesn't matter whether you eat this or eat that. Food is food. But in some areas, the choices have long-lasting impact. What college you go to, what subjects you take up, what course you enroll in. And once you graduate, what kind of a job you want to do, what kind of a career you want to embark on. And after that, who are you going to marry? Or whether you want to marry or not, that's also a choice. And after you are married, shall we have a child? You haven't built up the career yet. How many children shall we have? The guy says, five. The wife says, two. Choices, choices, choices. You always have a choice. But sometimes we are frustrated with our choices. The frustration in choosing is many times because we are not sure whether it's the right one or the wrong one. You're not sure. And that's what frustrates you. 
So sometimes we decide not to choose at all. Let others choose. Ronald Reagan. He likes to share the story of when he was a teenager. So one day he had to make a sh uh, the, uh, his shoes. And in those days, you, you don't just walk into the shop and buy shoes. You have to go to a shoemaker. And so with a shoemaker, he just ordered his boots. And the shoemaker asked him, what kind of a toe do you want? You want the shoe or the, the boot with the, with the blunt toes? Or you want one with a sharp toe? Even right up today, you have the sharp toe and you have the blunt toe or the rounded one. So the shoemaker asked him that question. And, and Ronald Reagan says, oh, what? It doesn't really matter. Whatever you think. And so he left it at that. When he came back to collect the, the shoes, lo and behold, he was aghast to find the shoe as has been made. He says, how can I wear these boots? What happened is that one side has a blunt toe and the other side has a sharp toe. So one with blunt and one with sharp. How are you going to wear those kind of boots? So he says, what did you do? And the shoemaker says, well, I asked you whether you want blunt or sharp toe and you said it doesn't matter, so here you are. And Ronald again says, from that day onwards, he learned one lesson, one precious lesson in life. And the lesson is, if you don't decide for yourself, somebody else will decide for you. The shoemaker will decide for you. And you will have all kinds of things in your life. And many times, it's not what you really want. And sometimes, it's not even pleasant. So you always have a choice. Tell your neighbor that again. You always have a choice. Why is it so difficult? Sometimes we ask, why must all these choices be given? Some of us relish in it. We thank God for the freedom of choice. But others struggle with it. You see, when God made us, He gave us one very important thing that you cannot find in animals, in other parts of His creation. He gave to us human beings the power of choice. He gave us a free will. Now, that's one of the most dangerous things to give. You know that. Because it can be abused, it can be misused. But He gave us the free will. Every one of us have the power of choice. He could have created a robot. But Adam was not a robot. Otherwise, there would have been no sin in the world. And what we have is just a world full of robots. But God doesn't want robots. God doesn't want even puppets on a string. He just pulled the string and, and the papa will behave in a certain manner. He could have created man in that manner. God is always pulling strings and the papas respond. But no, God gave us free will. So out of our own free will and a heart of love and devotion, we will choose Him. 
and he took a big risk by giving men the free will. There will be those who will not choose him. There will be those who will walk away from him, reject him, and even curse him. But that's our God. He gave us a free will. Christianity is not a religion of the sort. Believe or you die. No. God, our God is not like that. Many times, in the ministry of Jesus, He allowed people to choose to believe in Him, to follow Him, or to walk away from Him. There are those who are like the rich ruler who came with a question, sincere, but after listening to the answer that Jesus gave, he walked away. And the Bible says Jesus loved this guy. And yet because of the freedom of choice, he allowed him to walk away. And that's our God. He gave us the power of choice. What is choice? It is the act of choosing to select freely, to make a decision. You can make your own choices in life. And our choice, our choices determine our character, our direction, our destiny, and where we will spend eternity. Yes, our destiny is not just a matter of chance. It is a matter of choice. Many times we come across a junction a crossroad. And that's where we have to decide which road we want to take. Sometimes it's very tough to make that kind of a choice because we do not know what is ahead. But we are not to be left helpless in this area. But we know that it is a matter of choice. So in that sense, when we talk about election as a choice that we have to make, every day, is actually an election day for each one of us. Because every day you choose what you want to do, where you want to go, where, you know, and all, all kinds of choices. So therefore, every day is an election day. It's not just on May the 9th for us where we elect a candidate and that's it for the next four or five years. No, every day is an election. We have to make a choice as to who or what we shall serve. Everyone cast his or her ballot. The late Billy Graham said, the strongest principle of life and blessings lies in our choice. That's where the blessings flow. It all begins with our choice. Our life is the sum result of all the choices you, we make. Who you are, where you are, what you are today. It's a result of all the choices that you have made. If you have not been married to your wife, your life will be very different already, isn't it? But because you made a choice, you married your wife. Now you are where you are, you are with who you are, uh, uh, who, uh, uh, who you are with, and so on and so forth. That decision to say, I do, I will, it caused you to be where you are. And some of you are very happy you made that choice. Others, I don't know. Lah, huh? <laughs> but it's the sum result of all our choices. So although we have the freedom to choose, remember, 
choices have consequences. You are free to choose, but you are not free to alter the consequences of your choices. Every choice has a consequence. Some of them for good, some of them for evil. You choose to run the red light and there was a police car behind got summoned. Consequence. You choose to break the speed limit. There's a speed camera caught you. Have to pay the fine. You choose to be lazy. That's a consequence. You got fired. You choose to eat all the sugary things. There may be a consequence. Diabetes and other things. You choose all the fatty, fatty good uh, food. There may be consequence. Your health begins to deteriorate. It's a choice. And choices have consequences. You rob the bank, you go to jail. And so in life, we have to remember to make the right choices. So that we may enjoy the good things of life. And the choices many times revolve around three areas. And these are the realm in which God works. The family, the church, and the government. What are the three elections? The first one is a political election. We have to choose wisely because our choices will change our nation. Joshua told them, choose this day. Choose this day. It wasn't election day, but it was very important for Joshua because he was about to go off the scene. There's going to be a change in leadership already. And he's talking to the elders. He's talking to the leaders of the nation. A very young nation. And in the leadership in Israel, it was very simple. God called Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. And Moses was the recognized leader. Anointing of God, the presence of God, it was so real, nobody can dispute that. And they always refer to Moses as the servant of the Lord. Servant of the Lord, that's how he rules the nation, as a servant of the Lord. It wasn't about himself. He did not put himself up. He did not build a monument unto himself. All his leadership points towards God. And at the end of his leadership, in Israel, in Deuteronomy 28 to 30, he directed the people's attention and focus back to God. And Joshua learned the same thing from Moses. It was everything is about God, not about himself, not about his skill as a military strategist. It was the anointing of the Lord. And at the end of his long career, longer than even Moses, he again directed the people back to God in Joshua chapter 23 and 24. So it's all about God. 
But then after that, a new desire came upon the people of God. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5, it was the people's choice. They, they begin to decide for themselves and begin to just elect for themselves, appoint for themselves a different kind of leadership. And it says, now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. They do not want to be under God. They wanted to be just like all the other nations. And Moses says, no, all along, you are, we are serving the Lord. Why must you choose for yourself a king? But God says, Moses, let them be. Let them be. They have not rejected you, Moses. They have rejected me. You see, the power of choice, God gave the power of choice to the people knowing that they will reject God even. How he must have heard and pained the heart of God. But it was the people's choice. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, you read carefully. They, Moses allowed the people to choose a king. But before that, he warned them what the king will do. He warned them what the king will do. And when you read those warnings, you can see similarities in Malaysia as well and in many other nations of the world. God has already forewarned. And yet it was a people's choice and God let them. Casting a ballot is all about choosing. Choose this day. Malaysia decides on May the 9th, the day we get to vote, the day we get to choose. It's a very important day, three days to go. That's the time where that, whereby we choose. We make a choice. It's important for everyone to vote, all of us. Wherever you are registered as a voter, go back and vote. Important for all to vote. But how you vote is your choice. I wish I have the freedom to tell you who to vote for. <laughs> I know who I'm going to vote for. But there are agents here, tape in. <laughs> there may be. But it does not matter. Of course, I cannot influence your choice. I wouldn't even try to. But it's important that you vote. And how you vote is very important. Who you vote for is very important because it will determine the path and the direction of Malaysia. Not just for the next five, four or five years, but even for the future generations. It will determine the economy of the nation. It will determine the freedom and the independence of the ju judiciary, the, the, the independence even uh, of the executive branch of government and many other areas. The armed forces, the police. It will determine whether we are a corrupt nation or we will prosper even in this nation. It will determine the racial composition and integration of our nation. It will determine the education of your children. It will determine our very rice bowl itself. And so how you vote is very, very important it is a political election and we have to choose wisely. 
Your vote is your voice. Your vote is your choice. There are 222 parliament seats up for grabs and 505 state seats. And out of these, we already have 687 candidates for the parliament seats and 1,646 candidates for the state seats. That makes a total of 2,333 candidates and that's a record for Malaysia. So in many of these seats, there will be a, uh, a three-corner uh, fight, perhaps even four-corner fights. So this election is very, very important. And these are the people that will be elected and who are they going to be? That's why it's important for us to pray who will be in Putrajaya. In three days' time, at the end of three days, we will know who will be in Putrajaya. We pray. God is sovereign, but your votes count and the prayers of the saints of God count. That's why we must pray as never before. And we're going to do that right now, even as the nation goes into election, out of love for our country, love for the country and for the nation. Shall we stand together even as we sing this song and then we pray together for Malaysia? Syukur pada ilahi anugerahnya tiada terhingga kedamaian kemakmuran Malaysia ku bahagia dengan
Let's pray the Spirit for a while for Malaysia. Kuda Raba Shadi. Hallelujah. Kuda Raba Laba Laba Shadarariani. Hallelujah. Kuda Raba Laba Laba Shadarabba Shadi. For Malaysia, 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 dear Lord. Oh, as the nation goes to the poor. Lord, we live our Malaysia before you. Your Lord, we thank you, Your Lord. Bless your people. Bless the people of Malaysia, Your Lord, as they come, go to the polls and decide the future of Malaysia. You will lead, you will guide, you will bless, Your Lord. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We bless Malaysia. Thank you, dear Lord, for Malaysia. Yes, Lord. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you, dear Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. Thank you. Please be seated. So let's continue to pray for Malaysia, and I know that the will of the Lord shall be established, even. Come this May the 9th. So the first election is that of a political election. We have to choose wisely. The second is that of a church election. We have to serve faithfully. Choices that can change our church. Joshua told them, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Choose this day whom you will serve. And he's talking to the leaders and the nation as a whole. But he says, serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Verse 15, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. And the people responded, hey, we will serve God. But that's not enough for Joshua. Because he knows what is in the heart of man. It's very simple to just say, we will serve God, we will serve God. And not follow up with it. So he says, you cannot serve God. Because our God is a holy God and He's a jealous God. And yet they say, no, but we will serve the Lord. Okay? You all say you are going to serve the Lord? You cannot serve God and have idols in your heart. If you really want to serve God, put away the idols in your heart. And the place, the place that they chose is Shechem. Shechem is a place where God revealed Himself and His first, His first, first promise to Abraham. It was there that Abraham built an altar unto the Lord. Shechem is a place where Jacob met God and he told his wife, Put away all the foreign gods that you have accumulated. Sanctify yourselves. Set yourself apart for God. And here at Shechem again, not in Shiloh, but in Shechem, 
Joshua says, put away all the foreign gods and listen to God. And the people say, the Lord, our God, we will serve. That's the kind of leaders that we need. But even then, Joshua knows what is in their heart. Praise the Lord, at least that generation served the Lord. They followed through on their commitment. But you read Judges chapter 1, the next generation, they have already forsaken God and followed after idols in the land. What kind of leadership in the nation, in the church, will determine the prosperity of the nation and the prosperity of the church? That's why God gave leaders in the church, Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and he, gave him, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Furthermore, besides just those fivefold ministries people, the Bible also tells us there are others that serve along. Serving the Lord requires for us to give of our best, of our utmost unto Him. So in Acts chapter 6, you find the early church itself struggling in the areas of leadership. They need more people. So Peter stood up and says, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom and we will turn this responsibility over to them. And that's what they did. We have the seven deacons there. And that's what we did. Two weeks ago, we chose the seven board members or deacons. And in every place that Paul planted churches, he would leave a group of leaders there to take care of the flock. That you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. That's what Paul said to Titus. So we, 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 we need people, leaders, you know, who are who are after God, leaders who are willing to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And not only leaders by official appointment or election, but all of us here, the people of God, all of us, irrespective of whether you hold a position or not, we are here to serve the Lord. Everybody say, we will serve the Lord. That's very critical. That's what God has, has put together even in His church. And those that God has raised up to be leaders, the Bible says to support the leadership. Support. It's easy to criticize, it's easy to pull down, it's easy to go against even. But what leadership needs very, very much is the support of everybody in the church. That's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 13, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you. Respect them. Who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Every leader needs your support. The seven board members that we have just installed, they need your support. 
They are the listening ears of the church, yes, but they need your encouragement as well. The pastors, the zone leaders, the cell leaders, the assistant cell leaders, ministry team, even the usher many times need your support. The usher smile at you and you... What kind of encouragement is that? Smile back lah, huh? Simple ways, different ways. Let's support one another, amen? Let's encourage one another. That kind of leadership, all right, whether by official position or without official position, that's the kind of, of people that God will build the church with. Now, Joshua addressed a group of people because some of them have lost the fire already. Sometimes if you have been long in the church, you can lose that fire. And so Joshua brought them back to that place of recommitting themselves unto the Lord, renewing their covenant unto the Lord to serve the Lord. As somebody have said, there's no retirement in serving the Lord. Amen? There's no retirement. So in the church, serve faithfully. Then there's a personal election where we are to follow wholeheartedly or wholly. Choices that change our lives. Choose you this day whom you serve. I don't care who you serve. You made a choice. But as for me and my house, we have decided we have made our choice. And our choice is we will serve the Lord. Very clear. No question about it. No reservation about it. We will serve the Lord. You see, choosing who or what we serve is the most important choice in our lives. From the young to the elderly. That's the most important choice. Once you have made that choice and the commitment, you find that everything else begins to fall in place. But if you still haven't made that choice, you'll be wishy-washy in a lot of areas. Choose whom you will serve. We must make the right choice. And is it too difficult to make a choice for the Israelites? No, actually... They don't have a multitude of choices. In this case here, it's only A or B. It's only candidate one or candidate two. And what are the choices laid before them? The choice was between the true God and false gods. The choice was between serving God, the Lord, Jehovah is His name. Or serving idols. Many times the choices are not too difficult. It's, it's just choosing to follow God or not to follow God. You may say, ah, I don't have any idols in my house. Hey, we are talking about idols in the heart. Anything that steals away your affection even for the Lord. Choose whom you will serve. Knowing God's will is the most important choice 
following God's way, not my way. Choosing to follow God. Once that is settled, this choice will govern every other choices in your life. You have to settle that once and for all. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Turn to your neighbor again and say, it's your choice. Yeah. Even God will not force you to follow Him. Do you know that? If, if you choose to walk away from God, God will not, God will not beg you, please uh, come back, come back. I have heaven in store for you or you don't want heaven. Uh. God will not force you to worship Him. But I say Christianity is not a sort of the, uh, it's not a religion of the sort. You believe or you die. Or you, or you get your head chopped off. No. God gave us a freedom of choice. But when the people of God, when the children of God come and worship Him and declare, God, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Oh, how that must have pleased the heart of God. Because it comes from your heart. And that's what God wants. It's your choice to follow Him. He gave us that freedom. So choose this day, He says. What's your choice today? What's your choice for yourself and for your children? Moses said, choose life. Choose life in order that you may live by loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice and by holding fast to Him. Choose life. Don't choose death. It's your choice. How do you choose life? By loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, holding fast to Him. Election time. Choose God. Hallelujah. Choose God. Put the tick there. God. Now, of course, God won't appear in the vote, uh, ballot papers and all that. But every day, choose God in your life. That's the most important choice. And you will never regret it. Every day, there are the conflicting choices that come in our life. Whether you will choose God or choose idols in your heart. In Genesis chapter 13, we have a man who chose God and we have a man who chose the world. We have a man who followed wholeheartedly after God and we have a man who have idols in the heart. In Genesis chapter 13, we have the story of Abraham and Lot, his nephew. Both of them have been blessed by Almighty God until there's not enough room to contain both of their uh, 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 wealth and possession. So there was a quarrel and a fight among the workers of Abraham and Lord until they, have the, they, they decided, hey, this place here is not big enough for both of us, so let us decide where you want to go and where I want to go. And Abraham said to his nephew, the land is open before us. The choice is before you. You choose, Lord. The, young, the, the older, the elders gave to the younger the choice. It's not because Abraham don't know what to choose. But he gave the choice to Lord. 
And Abraham said to Lord in, in, in Genesis 13, if you said you want to go to the left, then I will go to the right. If you want to go to the right, then I will go to the left. Whichever, Lord. And the Bible says, you know what Lord did? Lord opened his eyes, he looked around, he lifted up his eyes, and he looked around. He chose by sight, not by faith. And he saw the plains of Jordan. There's a lot of water there and it's large and it's green and there's a lot of vegetation there. And he said, ah, surely that is a better place. He chose the plains of Jordan. Fatal decision. One choice that will change his entire life and that will cost him his family and their future. And so that was what happened. Lord went to the east and Abraham went to the west. Lord went to Jordan and Abraham went to dwell in the land of Canaan. And you read the rest of the stories, what happened after that. There in Jordan were the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The people there were perverted and corrupt to the core. And Lord chose that place. He thought it's a good place. And then God had to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because they were so wicked. God asked Lot to flee. But the wife looked back. She was turned into a pillar of salt. The children of, and, and, and the in-laws of, of Lot were killed except for the two daughters who fled with him up to the mountains. And when Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, what happened to these two daughters? They said, we will become you know, uh, 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 unmarried and we will have no husbands and descendants after us. And so what happened is they slept with their father. They have perverted values. They have incestuous relationship even with Lord. Well, they made the father drunk. And after that came forth the offspring. From the two daughters of Lord, we have the uh, one, one is uh, one become the tribe of Moab, the other become the tribe of uh, Amorite. Uh, 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 yes, Ammonite. And then later on, these two became a source of problem and contention for Israel. Just one choice I decide to go to the east. And the whole family destroyed, and a generation came up that became the enemies of Israel. One choice. Abraham, he was different. He has already chosen God. His life is settled. No matter whether I go east or, or, or west, it does not matter to him already. He knows that God will direct his path. That's why he's not fighting as whether he's going to be left or right, east or west. And so, Lord departed to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says, Abraham went to the plains of memory, to the land of Canaan. And there in that land, the first thing that God asked him to do is, Lord, Abraham, lift up your eyes. Look around you. After he has decided by faith to trust God, God says, lift up your eyes, look around you. From the east to the west, from the north to the south, all the land that you see, I'm going to give it to you because you have chosen me. Because you have put me first. Everything that you see is going to be yours. Oh, when you make God the first.
first choice in everything. He gives you the best of the land. He will be with you. He will not destroy you or your generations after you. Choose God. That choice is very important. Pray to the Lord, dear God, today I choose to trust you to work out your purpose in my life. A life of faith and just trusting in the Lord. What is your choice today? Be able to declare this is my choice. To live by the scripture. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. To live by the promises of God. To love the Lord, to fear the Lord, and to serve the Lord. This is my choice. Not only is it my choice, as for me and my household, your children as well. We have to learn to teach them to make the right kind of choices in life. Some parents, they decide everything for their children. Initially, that may be good, but they have to grow up someday and they have to make their own choices. So train them young. How do you train them young? Let them decide for them, themselves. You want to eat this or you want to eat that? Some children cannot even decide because the parents decide everything what they eat. But learn in small ways. What do you like? Now, why do you want this? And the thing. You know, if it's bad, tell them why it's bad. You know, and the toys that they choose also, you know, give them choices, make, give them opportunities to make choices in life. And if it's wrong, teach them in that manner. Then they will know how to make decisions in life. From young itself, you train them how to make the right choices in life. Don't wait until they decide to marry, you know, somebody that you dislike totally and then you say, no, I disagree. Over my dead body. Too late, too late. But when from young you teach them how to decide what is right, what is good, what is life, what is death, then they will grow up to learn, to know how to make the right choices and be able to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is my choice. Hallelujah. Thank God for right choices, white choices. Choices that glorify the Lord our God. And so today, let us renew our covenant and commitment to God and be able to say, yes, Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Somebody say, amen. amen. Renew that covenant. Renew that commitment to God. That's what Joshua was trying to do. He went through the whole passage itself and at the end of it, he says, let's renew that covenant. Sometimes we need to do that to renew our covenant and commitment to God. So you have a choice in every station of life. Let's choose wisely, serve faithfully, and follow wholeheartedly. Let's pray.